G'day and welcome to the Pod Pod. It's your boy Dossie back on this Friday night, January 20, 2023. Talking AFL fantasy forwards. Now, uh, unfortunately, a few of us weren't available to record on the Wednesday. I did want to go ahead, grab a couple of guests, you know, have a good time. But no, Holmesy said, I am the show. I am the Pod Pod. We wait till Friday. Holmesy. We've waited, we're here, we're ready to talk some forwards on this glorious Friday night. Is there anything we, anywhere else we'd rather be, mate? Mate, I believe Stato was also not available and I uh, said that we were the two draw cards. But also, how good is it that uh, we've, we're recording on Friday instead? Real Dream Team's open today and, and Stato's just got that smile from ear to ear. The game that he really wants to play is here, so we're good. <laughs> Now, Stato, I do have to remind you, we are not talking about real Dream Team forwards tonight, but how are you going, mate? How, how's your team building in that uh, that format? Uh, didn't even know it was open, so uh, not too well, Dossie boy. Yeah, sure you didn't. <laughs> sure you didn't. And Lou, how are you, mate? Going all right? Ready to talk some forwards? Yeah, good, mate. I can't think of anywhere else I'd rather be right now. <laughs> Except for dinner in, a, in about 40 minutes when we're done here. Hopefully, it's a quickie. Uh, There is, I mean, plenty of forwards to talk about. But before we start, I guess we'll just mention quickly, there's the big news. One player we're, you know, not going to be touching on too much, Taron Thomas, uh, coming into the news. Don't think we'll be able to pick him as that value 400k forward anymore. Stato, thoughts on this one? Yeah, look, it's a little bit sad. He's had a tough couple of years. Let's just hope this is the... uh uh, this is the opportunity he gets to straighten himself up because he's got so much talent. Let's hopefully uh, see him on the park at some stage. All right. And uh, by the news, Darcy Cameron, all good, back on the track, injury-free, so we'll mention him a bit later on. I just want to mention just a couple of things. I mean, last week we had a massive response from our Listener League entry, uh, li- new Listener League format, which we announced last week. So we had an idea that, we're going to be drafting listeners to represent us, each of the hosts, in a new listener league. It's pretty competitive. There's only 20 spots, but you've got to pitch us your idea via the review section on Apple Podcasts. They absolutely came flying through. But I tell you what, I mean, the poll probably told it all, Stato. We put a poll on Twitter. Who do you want to represent? Winning gloriously at, I think it was around 38%. It was Big Dossie. Big Dossie came in at number one. Any surprises there, Lou, from your end that uh, Big Dossie came in at number one? A lot of burner accounts there that you've uh, built up over the years, mate, since your draft doctor's days. (laughs) That's fair enough. Uh, But look, we are keen. You can still enter. Second place was Stato. I think he's got a bunch of entries coming through. On his side on the Apple podcast, obviously lots of burners there too. Um, Make Stato great again. (laughs) <laughs> make Stato great again. He's going to run the campaign as well. Holmesy, though, look, there's been a notable lack of entries for you, mate. Do you want to maybe pitch to the listeners why they should be getting behind you and representing you in this 20-player listener league this year? I mean, it's a bit shy on entries for you. Yeah, look, the the term grumpy Kyle has been thrown out there a little bit in the group chat. The boys have been <laughs> The boys have been getting stuck into me a little bit, but that's fine. The the reviews will come. I'll, I'll back it in as we get closer to the year. You do. You want to be on Team Holmesy. You know, we haven't gone back to back like Stato mentions. It's been a, a lean year last year, but all that means is the bounce back is coming. So, 
You want to be on board, boys. You want to be on board. So, get involved. You're a bit grumpy before 11, Kyle. <laughs> I've got to yeah. say. <laughs> We're working on it. We're working on it. Now, I think I did announce last week as well that the draft that we have, that'll be happening at the end of Feb. And we'll be able to draft other listeners' uh, entries for other other coaches here, other hosts. So, Holmesy, you might be able to get a few of Dossie's um, fantastic coaches that want to represent him anyway, mate. So, all is not lost. You'll be able to snake me for a few of mine. Now, before we start on this episode as well, just a reminder that the Keeper League is the proud sponsor of the Pod Pod. Um, go check them out. Use the code PODPOD at sign up on keeperleaguepod.com and get yourself 20% off your membership. They have heaps of fantastic data, a lot of the stuff that we use on the show, including CBA and kicking trends. You can go check the CBAs throughout the season. They've got a drafty fantasy analysis guide, and I've been having a look through there at some of the rookies that we want to see, including their scores from last year. Scoring trends against teams, weekly fantasy projections throughout the season, much, much more, all for your classic and keeper leagues and drafts. So get around keeper league pod, enter code pod pod at sign up for 20% off. Let's get into our players. We're going to go through the same format we did last week. It's two players each, and then we're going to get to plenty of listener requests. A few less requests in the forward line, but that's the nature of the beast. I think there's some big locks, and maybe we can start. With you, Stato, on your first play you want to talk about? Yeah, to be fair, I've been very busy over the last three days um, running a conference. But uh, thankfully, when I saw everyone's list, there was a certain man missing and he is sitting at F1 for me and that's Josh Dunkley. And I don't think it's going to be uh, any surprise to most. Uh, In fact, I think he's going to be one of the most uh, selected players despite his price. Now, the reality, we've probably never seen a a full season of the best of Josh Dunkley just because of the amount of midfielders uh, we actually had to uh, engage at Western Bulldogs. I think he just walks straight in and plays that uh, inside midfield role at Brisbane. Uh, It's been a bit of a rule over the last couple of uh, years. If you tag uh, Lockie Neal, then Brisbane is gone. All of a sudden, you can tag Lockie Neal, but Josh Dunkley will keep working really hard, and it just improves their side so much. So um, I'm pretty comfortable that he's going to be F1 uh, and quite happy to spend that investment for Josh Dunkley to be sitting in my team. Yeah, it probably wasn't mentioned by us. I think it's just because he slips the mind. He's that much of a lock um, for a lot of us this season. Hasn't had the huge centre bounce usage at the Dogs that he will hopefully get at Brisbane. We assume that he'll get. Um, I want to get your opinion, Louis, though. On We had a question, actually. I'll just mix it in here. So this one was from Bales on Twitter. Um, he just asked, and I've thought about this too myself, like thoughts on putting a player like Dunkley in the midfield and putting another one of those value forward premiums in. Now, I guess the the absence now of a Taron Thomas potentially to pop in there, does that maybe change your thinking or is that something that you've looked at putting Dunkley into your midfield instead of forward line? Yeah, look, I don't mind it. Um, if anything, it's going to give you a little bit of added flexibility, which is always nice, uh, certainly during the early rounds as well. Um, and it's also a way that you can hedge your bets and maybe be able to start an extra keeper in your side. So, we've seen some of these forwards uh, who may very well be keepers, and we'll talk about some of them in a bit. But, for example, if you had a Connor Rosie up in your midfield and then you had a bunch of big dogs in your forward line, then you're essentially you're sort of hedging your bets, hoping that you've got that extra keeper 
um, hiding in your midfield there where you might not have been able to get up to a midfielder, you know, 850k plus where you've actually got that confidence that they're going to be a keeper or that they're going to score because that range of sort of 650 to um, 800k in the midfield, uh, you start looking at a fair amount of risk there. Yeah, I suppose it comes down to your team structure, right? So if you're, you've got your structure where you like it and you've got that sort of um, price range of a Connor Rosie to spend in the midfield. In years gone by, like last year, we had a, Lock- a Lockie Neal who was underpriced and and could potentially put up top numbers. We've had Patrick Cripps. Um, years gone by, I know Selby had a Mark Murphy. Nat Fife's come in underpriced. And, and these guys were pretty obvious picks, whereas I feel this year in that price range of that sort of 85 to 95, you're, you're banking on a, you know, a Tom Green to break out or a Chera to break out or an LDU to break out. And we know that a lot of the time this doesn't happen. So if if you're not really as comfortable picking one of those guys, then it, it's definitely a play to put a Connor Rosie in there who you can eventually swing forward, who you're more comfortable in in being a top six forward rather than trying to predict one of these breakouts. At least that's the way I kind of see it at the moment. Yeah, the only one downside that I can think of with that is that, of course, your midfielders do uh, generally outscore your forwards. So if you are... Um, playing a forward in your midfield, and Josh Dunkley is probably not the right example because we all expect him to go 110 plus, um, but you could be potentially hamstringing yourself in terms of points because uh, the points are where uh, in the midfield. All right, let's get to our second player. Holmesy, do you want to take us away, mate, with uh, your first picker up forward who you want to talk about? Yeah, let's let's look at Tim Taranto. So uh, Tim Taranto, it's been well documented that he's moved from GWS to Richmond um, in the offseason. And and we know what Tim Taranto has historically done. So he's a, a very good scorer. He's had multiple years going 110 plus. Um, he comes in heavily underpriced this year at 95. He started the year as an absolute house on fire and then towards the back end of the year when there was a lot of GWS midfielders, his CBAs dropped. He played a lot of different roles and and coming back off that injury as well, put up a few subpar scores, which has lowered his average for us. So what we know is with Tim Taranto, any time that he gets sort of 50% plus CBAs, at least at GWS, um, he's put up numbers well over 100. So I feel like he's a pretty easy pick for us in terms of value. He's he's 95. He's got the potential to go 100, 105, even 110 plus if he's in the right role. I suppose the only sort of caveat I want to put on it is that he's now going to another team that has a lot of midfielders. So yes, they haven't traditionally scored very well, but at Richmond, you've got Cochin, you've got Hopper, you've got Bolton, you've got Dusty, um, you've got Prestia when he plays. So there's just still a lot of guys to go through there. So I suppose what sort of CBA splits do we see him getting? And is that, you know, if he does get the 50% CBAs in that Richmond system, is he going to be that uber scorer that we need him to be considering they don't traditionally play that sort of chip mark style as much as, as GWS did, Louis? What are, you, what are you thinking with Tim Taranto? Do you think it's a, a slam dunk pick or is there at least some question marks there too? Look, there's question marks as there is with most players, but I do think Tim Taranto is one of those fantasy players that almost transcends um, game style a little bit. So, I mean, we've seen at GWS, which has always been um, a team that's been able to get points on the board accumulatively, but um, he's someone who, when he's in that guts, his first touch, he's a quick hands, he gets the tackles. And the the one thing you probably don't expect from him and what we've already seen winning the 2K time trial is he's actually got a really high fitness base where he can spread. And yes, Richmond don't have as many cheap ones available for him, but... 
Uh, like I said, I think he's one of those players that's just able to find the football. Uh, they're able to get involved in the game, and um, I think coming in priced at ninety five. I, I don't, I don't think he's going to go back to his one hundred and ten days, but I, I'd really struggle to see a world where he's not someone who not only presents value but is a top six forward for us. Yeah, I can't add any more. Stato, are you on board Tin Torano as well? It seems like we've consensus for the first couple of picks here in Dunkley and Torano. Yep, thumbs up from Stato. Uh, Louis, do you want to take us away with your first pick, mate? Yep, so a um, little bit on brand these days, but uh, Toby McLean, uh, 401k mid forward, uh, probably a name that uh, wouldn't be on anybody's lips if he didn't play that elimination final last year because <laughs> – He's played a uh, very little amount of football in the last three seasons. That included two ACLs, so can give him a little bit of an excuse for that. Uh, he played one sole game in 2022. He was predominantly forward, uh, but was pushing up the ground pretty hard. He got 21 touches and nine tackles for a score of 101, and that's the sort of stat line which we've seen from Toby McLean in the past. So we have to go all the way back to 2017 and 2018, when he had a bit more of a favourable role sort of split between midfield and forward, and he averaged 86 and 95 respectively. So with the departures of um, Josh Dunkley as well as Lockie Hunter uh, and Toby McLean being back to full fitness, fingers crossed, uh, can he have a better role in 2023? Can he replicate his 97 VFL average from five games in 2022? Uh, I'm just super interested to see what this guy can come back and do. And if that elimination final uh, is is a clue, then I think he's someone who just presents enormous value for his starting price. And I do want to give you props, Louis, because before the elimination final, before we knew that Dunkley was was moving out of there, you were massive on Toby McLean because you were planning your team about halfway through last year. <laughs> and uh, he, was, he was on the watch list. You were telling us about him. You were talking him up. And in a way, I feel sorry for you, mate, because he's just one of the most owned players going around right now, seemingly huge value for us all. Um, God, are we all on the same page again here? I think everyone's nodding again. Yep, I think so. There's, it's, that's why the forward line, there wasn't too many questions. There wasn't a heap going on. It feels like smash picks. I, I wonder if anything ends up falling through in the end. But um, no, hopefully Tobin McLean does bounce back and it was awesome to see him firing and after some serious injuries in his career so far. All right, I'm going to talk about my first player who, guys, I'll let you know, he snuck in to the Hilux winning team this week, uh, This week, actually. So that's my team, obviously. Um, Errol Goulden is a player coming into his third year who I wouldn't say necessarily exhibits the perfect kind of third year breakout that you're looking for but we have seen and that and by that I mean a clear pathway to say more inside midfield time a clear pathway to more time on ground he's had some pretty good opportunities and he's in a stacked Sydney team so I, I acknowledge both of both of that the thing I will say though we've seen incremental improvement from him both years he's only 20 years old he's just getting better and better and the games that we've seen him explode onto the scene, he has got a huge ceiling, which can make all the difference, especially in the early goings. Now, obviously, his best game last year, 155 points from 33 disposals, 12 marks, four tackles. He can hit all stat lines, and he hasn't 
gone to that next level yet in terms of getting the big disposal numbers. So he only averaged around that. I think it was around 19 disposals last year, you know, nearly five marks, three tackles. That's the sort of thing I like to see potential to go those sort of five marks, five tackles with a little bit more potential midfield exposure on the cards as well. He only averaged, set, I think it was, what was the center bounces for him? Barely any, so 10%. Plays that forward role, bit of a mixture on the wing as well. I just love the way he goes about it. Coming into that third year, I think he can really take a big step up. He's just more of a watch list player, and I like him in my team at the moment because there is a fair bit of risk. But who am I going to throw this to? Stato, you've been a bit quiet tonight, mate. I know you're actually a Sydney man as well. Is there a chance this could be a huge step up in year three for Errol Goulden? Yeah, I've got my question marks on the Swans players. Um, I think Robottom is a big chance to take a jump. I'm just unsure where the time goes. I think Errol's um, an absolute little ripper. Uh, I think he's got a great fantasy game. Uh, and I think they'll continue to allow him to play the half, uh, high half forward role, which I think will be beneficial. My concern here is um, that role has a ceiling. Uh, and therefore, I don't know if he can take that next step. It's that question. But if he ends up being one that gets a lot more um, hashtag midtime, um, he certainly has the game that can um, uh, make him jump into the top six. But I'm not counting on it at the moment until I see how that squad lines up. So there's a lot of question marks, a lot of talent, and maybe too many mouths to feed. Yeah, look, I don't think Australian Crawl um, predicted that Errol Golden would become an AFL player, but I do get very hesitant over fantasy players that have a song associated with them these days, Doss. <laughs> I, I actually am um, out of the loop on this one, I've got to admit. Um, don't know what you're talking about, but I'll, I'll take it as a positive regardless and lock him into my team as a point of difference. Surprisingly, he was actually um, very very highly requested in our listener request. So hopefully I'm touching on a subject that a, a few people are keen on and I wonder if his ownership does end up growing uh, closer to the season if we see some of those signs of a big third-year breakout. Uh, let's go around back to the start and uh, who kicked us off? I reckon it might it be... It was Stato. Oh, Stato. Make him so. great again, that's what I oh, say. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go really <laughs> left field here and actually look... Uh, someone down the lower end of the market, in fact, uh, a rookie. But this is someone that has real potential. And I've had my eye on him, especially in the keeper leagues, for quite some time. Um, but his price is a little bit unavoidable uh, if he does get selected. Uh, and I'm talking price-wise, uh, he's 213k. So uh, a man with a great fantasy game. Uh, heading into his breakout third season and just hasn't had the opportunity, but his game is perfect for his club, and that's Luke Pedler. So Luke is a bull. Uh, Luke uh, gathers a, a lot of touches. He's also a really good mark for his size. The most important bit in that uh, Adelaide midfield is they don't have really anyone that breaks the lines, and this is a player that can burst out of the pack and break the lines. Um, they're very similar in that midfield, and although they're fantastic, the reality is they're all sort of similar. Um, and this is what Luke Pedler has got in his third year. There is a chance for a breakout. 
Uh, I see a report Rory Laird uh, sharing only a couple of days that Luke Pedler is training through the midfield and half forward, and I think that's the type of role he's going to have, probably um, one of the relievers in the midfield, so 20 to 30%, uh, and the rest of the time on that half forward line. But a burst of pace, good tank, uh, can find the footy. Um, I think he might be a great pickup for this year. How are we supposed to make Stato great again if he's out there thinking about Luke Peddler? Kyle, what do you reckon, mate? Oh, look, he, I wouldn't be um, thinking too much about his specific role in the team at the moment, but, you know, with the – we always say it every year, where are the rookies going to come from? But if he's if he's named round one, he's definitely someone we're going to have to look at at uh, 216K or whatever he is. He's very cheap and – and we're going to need players like that. So Stato is 100% right. He's definitely going to be someone to consider, and it's probably good for the listeners that he's raised that no- raised that name that they can put in their little book and, and keep on the watch list for for when he's named round one if if that happens. Yeah, I do see the problem here though. Um, Stato, obviously, in the demographic, um, an art- article has come out on SEN, the talented crow who is firing and the potential ready to unfold. Um, look. That's the article on Luke Peddler that was put out. I will just relay to you his um, sandful averages from last year on the 10 games he played. 7.9 kicks, 4.4 handballs, 2.7 marks, 3 tackles, and a 51 fantasy average in the sandful. Um, that's the Stato type of player, I reckon, uh, coming up to AFL level for about a 30. Um, good work, Stato. All right, let's move on to our next player. Holmesy, you want to take us away? Yeah, another one, Dossie, that you actually, you actually scoffed at when we talked about him uh, around Christmas time, but Stephen Canelio. So what we know about GWS, it's it's all been well documented that Taranto, Hopper and Brune have left, which leaves a, a gaping hole in the midfield, um, which you would assume that Cogs doesn't really have a choice. That he's going to have to be in there a lot. So just looking at his, uh, his stats from last year, anytime he had over 50% CBAs, he was essentially a gun scorer. So... 50 to 60% CVAs, he averaged 110. Okay, a few games where he, he only averaged in the mid-90s for 60 to 70%, but then if we look at 70 to 80%, 103, and then anything above 80%, he actually averaged 115. So um, there's definitely um, meat on the bone in terms of value there. From a 98 price tag in the forward line, you really only need, need him to improve by, say, you know, five points. If he's a, a 103 averaging guy from from that price point as a forward, he's a he's a slam dunk pick. So, if we look in the preseason and he's in there, anything above 50 percent, and that looks like to be his role, then I think that's another obvious pick. Um, I would be concerned though if he gets anything less than 50 percent CBAs. It, that's shown for him to be a little bit of a worry zone in the past in terms of when he gets stuck on that half forward line a little bit more. So. Who knows what Richmond are going to do with their new system. I know the Richmond system, they like having those guys that play forward and then come in the midfield as well. So maybe he does play that role being a 29-year-old. But yeah, anything more than 50% and uh, he'll be locked into my side, no doubt. Now, Louis, I'll get your thoughts on this in a second. I have to correct myself. I see Stato. I know he's done the research. Look, I was looking at the 2021 stats for Luke mm-hmm. Denver. Uh <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I thought that was on, off. <laughs> I've gone on to the fantastic 
uh, resource that is Keeper League Pod and looked at the State League fantasy scores, realised I had 2021 in the browser. Uh, look, Luke Pedler, I will correct myself, 14 games, nine kicks, five handballs, four marks, four tackles for a second-year breakout of a 69 fantasy average in the twos. Stato, you have my apologies, okay, mate? Uh, yeah, but it did include, uh, I think, about 490 scores. Obviously, he was plonked up forward for a few of those games, but when he got midfield runs, he had uh, four games with 20-plus possessions. So um, if he's uh, going through the midfield and the forward, uh, I'm quite happy. And a forward-line rookie for 213k that can score a tonne, mate, I'm happy. Yeah. You, you, can, you can leave Twitter that 69 69 is on Twitter. Nice he was saying team. that uh, he carved up the finals. He carved up the finals. Is that what you said, Louis? Yeah, yeah. That's according to Checkers on Twitter. So he's he's pretty across all that. Good. All right. Thank you for the stats there, Checkers. Now we will come back to the question at hand, which was Stephen Cornelio, Louis. Let's get your thoughts on uh, him as a potential option and taking that uh, bit more time in that midfield. Yeah, I love him, mate. I think um, he's potentially the top forward uh, this season. Could be 10 points underpriced, really, based on what we've seen, not only last season, but when he has managed to put a uh, full season together. And even uh, going back to the 2022 season, I can remember having conversations with all of you guys about whether or not Stephen Cornelio was now a captain option because he just seemed to be going, you know, 125 every single week. So. Like Holmesy said, if there's 50% plus on the CBAs, which I think there will be uh, with Toby Green and the acquisition of Toby Bedford down there as well to take a bit of forward pressure off, I think uh, Colts will be in the mix and yeah, he'll be, uh, he won't be making up the numbers of the forwards, that's for sure. He'll be right at the top. Good to see him get the 21 games under his belt. Yeah, I, I have uh, walked back my stance a little bit, Holmesy, since we spoke uh, pre-Christmas about um, Cogs, checking out some of those numbers when he does get bulk midfield time. Always been an actual big-time truther of the old Cogs back in the day, um, and back when he got his double syndesmosis. I think I had him in my team both those times. So, yeah, definitely not, not a fan of uh, Cogs. But let's move on to the next player, Louis, that you're going to talk about. Yeah, so uh, low-hanging fruit a little bit, uh, just like Doc last week. But Connor Rosie, uh, look, this guy has already been spoken about um, tenfold, even before last season sort of finished. But um, And we've spoken about it on this podcast this preseason. Lots of other podcasts have as well. So I'll just outline why this guy is relevant. And it's because, one, he's got that mid-forward status, which um, quite a few people didn't think he would hold on to. Uh, and two, he's finished to the 2022 season. So post buy went at 101.5, uh, which could be a sign of things to come. Obviously, went into that midfield uh, during the Carlton game, provided something, and pretty much stayed in there uh, for the rest of the season. You'd expect he's going to be in there again this season. Uh, I think his usage will be quite high. The only concern that I've got uh, is that he's probably the number one tag target, and uh, with Brisbane. Up in round one, that might be a bit of a rough start, but uh, that all being said, I also think that he's going to be able to put uh, enough runs on the board to be a top six forward or near enough. So coming in at that 88 average, uh, he still does present some value. I'm just maybe not as hot on him as some others, but uh, in the same breath, I could I could see him going 105 as well. Yeah, Connor Rosie's, as you said, been talked about all over. Best case scenario. Many of us would have had him in our team to the back half of the season and, and seen just how much of a dominant player he can be in that midfield. Stato, you lock it in Connor Rosie as well? 
No. Um, no, I'm not locking him in, Doss. Yeah, I, I'll sort of keep sort an of eye on it. Um, just don't know what's going to happen, um, to be honest. But I, I see the massive potential. So certainly I'm not putting a line through him. I'm just keeping an eye. Um, so I, I think of Connor and, and it's amazing we can get um, um, these biases that come through. But I, I see him as a high-quality player. Um, but I also seem extremely talented in the forward line, so how much time would he potentially spend there? But I also see him as an injury risk. And I don't know how real that is, but, yeah, that's what I see at the moment. So I'll wait to see um, how the preseason goes, how the preseason games go. If he's very clearly one of their absolute main midfielders, then, you know, I've got to reconsider. But... My thought is I'm going in with the big three uh, and we've mentioned them already. Uh, I'm taking Cogs, Taranto and Dunkley as my three. Uh, if I end up having money for a fourth, that's probably when I bring Connor in. Yeah, just speaking about um, watching how the preseason unfolds, um, I was speaking to somebody at Port Adelaide last week and I asked about Connor Rosie. I'm not really expecting much and... Uh, he wasn't in my team beforehand, but uh, I've got to say, it was a pretty uh, glowing review. And uh, yeah, he, ma- he made his way into my team shortly after that. So uh, tearing up the track by all accounts, BOG. So he is a lock then, Louis. I was mislistening, but he is a lock then for you there, Lou. No, he's in and out. He's probably one of about three players that um, constantly gets shuffled. All right, well, I'm going to bring up my next player, which, again, was a, uh, a fan of the people wanting to hear about this guy. And uh, I'll get your thoughts, Kyle, afterwards because I know you love to rebut all my players that I bring to the <laughs> table. But here's Dylan Moore of the Hawthorne Football Club, 23 years old and coming after his career year to date um, last year, averaging 93 points off every single game. 84% time on ground, did a bit of everything. Again, that lovely spread of stats. He had 20 disposals a game, nearly six marks, four tackles. We love that spread. We love getting hitting all those stat lines. Um, he just does it all, Dylan Moore, and he's got that ceiling as well. So he's had some monster games in the hundreds plus. And then, of course, if you recall last season, towards the end of the season, started getting center bounce attendances, which was just a natural progression for him. He is... Kind of like your, I mean, I think I've compared a couple of players to this guy, but I think he's the clear one. Like a Dane Zorko type, just that sort of smaller nuggety bloke that just has speed to burn, cracks in like no one else. And I just love watching him play for Hawks. So coming in the back half of the year after the bye, started getting involved in center bounces, had a little nibble after the bye straight away, like 10% plus. Then towards the back end of the year, he was coming into our sides just off the back of that consistent midfield time, 60, 61, 50 plus percent back end of the year. Um, Look, the last couple of rounds, he he dipped again. And I I personally think that was just the Hawks experimenting. I I think he is a big part of their midfield. And and we have, you know, Jager O'Meara, and Tom Mitchell leaving the Hawks. We're wondering who's going to fill the void. Surely Dylan Moore is one of those players that comes in, given the rest of the the lack of experience at the club. You've got your John Newcombs and stuff who are, yes, 21 years old. Um, your Josh Ward, who's a 21, uh, 20 years old or 19. Dylan Moore, 23 years old. I feel like he has to have at least a place in that midfield. And then, therefore, 
has a fair bit of upside, even though he averaged the 93 points. Holmesy, would you agree that uh, Dylan Moore, he's only owned by 7% of the comp right now, definitely a point of difference, but is there value there, do you think? Yeah, look, Doss, I suppose the key word that you used was experimenting. So, I'm not sure we're going to get huge consistency from the Hawks midfielders this year, being that young rebuilding side. If he was someone that we could guarantee would get 60% plus CBAs every single week, then yeah, you you can definitely look for him to be that sort of undervalued guy that could potentially push, you know, 95 to 100 across a full season. But I, there's just something about him that I'm, I'm a little bit tentative. I think, like I said, if you can guarantee that role, but he's very damaging forward of center. And if he, if he starts the year like he did before in terms of being more of a half forward and then getting little bits of CBAs, then if he pushes back down towards that 88, 90 average from his starting point, then he's going to be a bit of a bust pick because he's not going to be a top six forward and he's actually going to lose value for you. So you'd, you'd really need that consistent role, which I'm not sure um, he's going to get at Hawthorne. But like I said, if he was guaranteed that that 60% CBA role, then 100% his value and everyone we should look at. So it's just going to be a, a watch in the preseason. But if you are picking him, you want him for the year and you need to ask yourself if that role is going to be consistent for the whole year. Yeah, he, he's tough to get a read on. It sort of feels like he's uh, got a bit of a false economy about him. So, you know, everything that you see from last year and heading towards the end of the season sort of points up um, and you, you sort of think, oh, he's got that natural trajectory. He's going to take that next step. But I suppose the variable in all this is is Sam Mitchell being a new coach who's going to take risks. And I think things will be volatile. So while starting him at 93, um, I think doesn't present value, but it's probably a fair price. I also think that um, if he does get stiffed on the roll early, that that could be something that's just know, covered in danger and he could throw up a 75 average and and then all of a sudden you're behind the eight ball. Yeah, I suppose I'd love Dossie, you just need to ask yourself, is he going to be someone that's going to burn you? So is he going to be someone that comes out averaging 105, 110 for the first, you know, six games of the season and you're really chasing tail to get him in? Or if there is a little bit of upside and he does go towards that 100 mark, is he an upgrade target that you can get onto around the buyers? So that's that's where I kind of sit with Dylan Moore at the moment. I think it's – I actually personally think it's almost a guaranteed upside, but whether or not he has the upside to pick him at the start is what I'm questioning. And and look, 17% centre bounce attendances last year. Who do they have to fill that spot? That's what I wonder. You've got Jago Mira's gone, Tim, Tom Mitch was gone. You've only got Newcomb, Ward, like who else? Is- but that's just it, Doss. Like Sam Mitchell may as well have a throw at the stumps and chuck the kids in there and see how they go. He is because- a kid. He's 23. Like yeah, what? But you're not going to build they've, on they've his also, potential as they've well. Also He's the got, game winner. He's the guy, the kind of rosy like game winner for you. When well, they've also got McKenzie. They've just picked up. They've got Ward. They've got McDonald. There's no shortage of young, elite mids yeah. that they've picked out of the draft. So look, too it, young, it's, too small. It's impossible to, to argue this because we don't know what direction Sam Mitchell's going to go in. But I think that's the main concern on on why um, people would be hesitant on him is because it's just you can't read that situation. So I'll put my two or 20 cents worth in. It sounds like a really dossy pick to me. He's played 10 games wow. in the twos last year at an average of 51. <laughs> if fave, fake news works on my players, they might as well work on yours. 
Make Stato great again. Fake news. <laughs> Jesus, mate. You're leaning into the wrong corner, I think. Um, just, just, to, uh, just to reiterate, though. That's here. why he won the poll. They're all over Twitter, those fans. <laughs> uh, it, after the buy, just to reiterate, 101 uh, point average as well, just given those extra centre-bounce attendances. Anyway, the listeners wanted to hear it. I am the man of the people. Um, so I delivered for them. Now let's hear whatever what else they've got um, to request here. Uh, we've got just four listener requests, basically the big names. Um, Darcy Cameron, who we didn't touch on. Let's let's talk about him. A guy that got a lot more ruck time last year in the absence of Brody Grundy. Now Grundy's off to Melbourne. Can Darcy Cameron be a guy that we can look at, Kyle? There was a bit of injury concern the other day at training. Like we said, he's back back in back in action by the sounds of things and still maybe putting his uh, hand up in that frame of uh, the same sort of price as your Connor Rosie in that 750 kind of bracket. Yeah, he's an interesting one. So there's a there's a fair amount of data on him now. So what we know is that when Grundy went down in round six last year, from round seven onwards, uh, Cameron averaged 93. And that included a few stinkers towards the end of the year where, you know, let's face it, he was getting tired. It was the first year where he's really shouldered a, a fair amount of the ruck load and it's quite tough on, on let's, let's, not, let's not call him a young ruckman because he's 26, but it's, you know, it's, it's a tough position to play full-time when you're first getting started. So you would think with a, another preseason under his belt, the confidence of being that main man, you would hope that he can go, you know, replicate that 93. And if he does replicate that 93, then... He's going to be a good pick for us. He's going to be someone that um, presents value as a forward, being pretty close to that top six forward, and and then you can look to see who you know who you want as an R two, or you know who knows he may even go better than that. So he's definitely someone to consider. It's just always tough with these ones with the ruck. All it takes is a little an injury here or there, and and you never really know. But like Louis likes to say, you can't really predict an injury. So from everything we've seen from the from round seven onwards last year, he's definitely someone we need to look at. Okay, uh, next player. God, I don't even want to talk about him. Just about I've we've heard way too much about this guy in the preseason. Look, I got to be honest. I haven't I haven't been tuning into any fantasy podcast this year because, as I've said many times, I, I've got the lux in the bag. I don't need to listen to anyone else's advice. But honestly, it's been the least content I've consumed. I've but I've seen so much stuff on the socials about this bloke, and I'm talking about Sam Flanders. Make Stato great again has been the biggest campaigner of this bloke for many years, but I don't want to talk about – I'm sure we've got plenty of opinions from Stato over on the other channels at the Draft Doctors. Louie, let's hear from you, mate. As a classic option, he's being thrown out there. A bloke who, like Braden Fiorini and Charlie Constable and probably Connor Blakely this year, is banished to the twos under Stewie Jew. Does this bloke actually get a gig this year? The first question. Oh, look, I was really hoping you wouldn't throw to me for this one. But, <laughs> but um, look, is, is he cheap in Supercoach? Is that why um, talk is sort of coming over the fantasy community here? Because he's over 500K in Classic. Um, he's That's a real awkward price with what we've actually got available to ourselves in uh, in the forward line. In fact, I'd probably rather take a punt on Tyron Thomas than I would start Sam Flanders. So, uh, dra- draft relevant, maybe. And um, look, he was a fantasy um, scoring gun 
uh, but I'm not sure the role is going to be there for him to replicate it, and certainly not at 508k. If he was coming in priced at around the 300s, you might um, throw a ball at the stumps, but uh, it's just far too awkwardly priced. The perfect player to take a swipe at late in drafts, but in salary cap formats, when you now when you have limited trades, he's far too risky being on the the fringe best 22 at the Gold Coast. So not someone um would ever really look at, to be honest. Before we go to the defender, the Sam Flanders defender in Stato, I just want to also throw out there, I bet you if we look at the fantasy numbers from the VFL Suns versus the Gold Coast actual AFL team, the VFL Suns would be one of the best fantasy scoring teams going around on the planet versus the Gold Coast actual AFL team who are way down the bottom, only above North Melbourne last year for fantasy points. They hate fantasy scoring at the Suns. Stewie Jew, not a fan. I will say though... Looking at the stats again on keeperleaguepod.com, looking at these state league fantasy scores, 117 average in the VFL last year for Flanders. Obviously can play good footy when given a role in a good fantasy scoring team from 12 games. Finished the season in the finals, the final three games in his finals campaign. 157, 151, 161. Stato, give us your best shot at defending this man. Yeah, I'm all in. I'm Flanders. Classic, classic. Uh, he's 500k, so no. Um, honestly, uh, I, I've been on Flanders for about three years, so um, I, I'm really keen to see him break out. It, it's, it's one of those picks. Now, we'll say he's killing it in preseason, and there's been that many references that have started um, in early December of, of how well he's actually tracking. Um, and only two days ago it was reported that uh, he's working with the midfield group. The problem is they've got a lot of names in that midfield group, but the reality is if he's in there uh, and he's got a permanent role and he's good enough for this, he's, he's very highly touted and he, we know he can get the footy and unfortunately like the list of um, players you talked about, this man's actually got skills. He can hit targets. He can hit hard targets uh, Dossie boy. Um, so this is this is the one for me. But as the boys say, he's more of a draft player, and it's because he's 500k and been thereabouts. Um, does he have the potential, if absolutely everything goes his way, to be a top six forward? The answer is yes. But boy, it's risky because he's got a. He's got to work against three or four high quality. I, I just – if he kicks out Rao from the centre, so it's Anderson, Rao and Took, um, then he's a, he's a top six forward. But the chances of that happening is probably pretty thin. Anderson, Flanders and Took, I believe you meant. But, um, yes – Yes, that's what it very li- Very low chance. And I actually debate, I reckon Alex Davies has more centre bounce attendances than Flanders does. Yeah, this he year. could do. He could do. And, and yeah. there you go. That's why there's a lot of competition. But this is why I think Gold Coast is starting to really build a solid list. I don't know. Does Charlie Constable get a look in there, Dodge? No. I wish. <laughs> no, I wish. Neither does Fiorini. Con- Connor Blakely, Jed Anderson. Yeah. Gee, Con- they got depth. I just the, the moment Constable, who if you know me, you'd know he is just one of my fa- like one of my absolute like surprising. There's not a song about him already. The moment he went to the Suns, like my heart just sunk. It was both my boys just trapped, trapped, trapped. in the AFL for life. 
Um, all right, Kyle, we haven't heard from you from a bit. We need to, You need to get your voice out there. You need some listeners voting for you, mate. We need to hear that beautiful voice of yours and we need to hear about Zach Butters. Would you like to talk about him? The listeners would like to know about Zach Butters and if he's worth picking. Yeah, he's an interesting one, Dossie. So, all the talk this year has been about Connor Rosie, but if you actually look at uh, Zach Butters' last six games, albeit very small sample size, uh, they're very, very com- comparable. So, I think he went at 106 for his last six games, but the thing that kind of concerns me a little bit about Butters is that in that six-game sample size, his CBAs were only around that sort of 40%, maybe even a little bit lower. So, is the consistency going to be there? I'm not too sure, but in saying that, it's probably about time that Boak starts to shift out of that midfield a little bit. Um, we know that Wines is coming from a long way back this preseason after um, a few off-season surgeries and, and building his load. So, you know, if they're, if Port Adelaide go to, do go down that path and it's Rosie, Butters, JHF and Wines and his CBAs are around that sort of 50 to 60% mark, he's always been that one um, that we've sort of predicted to end up being that fantasy stud with the way he plays. He tackles, he marks, he gets on the outside, he gets on the inside. If Louis correct and the tag target starts to go to Connor Rosie, then Butters could be a sneaky good pick for us at a, at a similar price point. So he's, he's definitely someone that I will look at um, in the preseason and see what kind of a role he has because he's always had the potential. Clearly, the listeners are Stato fans, two of his boys back-to-back here. Um, yeah, so making Stato great again. But Stato, what what do you think on Butters being another big fan of the guy? I haven't heard too much of you um, about him lately, and I think you even might have jumped off the bandwagon last year a little bit, frustrated at the injuries, the inconsistency. Still a fan or um, is he, yeah, out of, still is a he big out fan. of the good yeah, books? Yeah, I'm a no, Butters man. There. I'm going to be yeah. Butters crazy. Um, all his career, there's no doubts about that. But the way he plays uh, is risky um, and uh, there's no doubts that uh, injuries are unfortunately going to be part of his career. Um, but w- one day it's going to click. Um, he, to be quite honest, uh, Zach Butters is a, is a Brownlow candidate. So if it all clicks, um, has the right role, is injury-free, he's a, he's a Brownlow candidate. Um, love the way he plays. Um, the reality, go back, um, I'm looking for value, so I know who F1 to, to F4 is. Uh, the problem with both Connor and Zach is the mouths to feed and how much time they have in the midfield, that, but they both have high ceiling potentials. One of the other things we probably didn't mention, like he's j- the way he plays is just so conducive to injury. Like it's not, yeah. he's just so hard at it and he just puts his body on the line so much to do those amazing things that it, that's just the risk. You're always like biting your nails watching him play despite how good he is. But Kyle, what have you got to wrap this up on Butters? Well, I just wanted to ask Louis, being the Port Adelaide man, uh, obviously take this with a grain of salt because it's just preseason articles, but. If Fantasia does get up and they have recruited Willie Rioli as well, do you see that as a uh, more of an opportunity for Butters and Rosie to spend more time in the midfield, knowing that they've got you know those more small forwards down there now? Well, first of all, it's a massive if for Razio Fantasia. I saw they've got hmm. they had open training today and they used uh, Razio Fantasia's picture, and I thought. 
Gee, just uh, come out to open training and see this guy. It'll probably be the last time you see him this year. <laughs> but um, but no, I think I think those two, if they do play uh, regular footy in twenty twenty three, I think that does alleviate Butters and Rosie to push up the ground and um, play midfield or play somewhere in between the forward line and the midfield where they can where they can rack up a bit of loose balls. So look, I, I don't think you could. Um, it's a bit of a flip of a coin between Rosie and Butters and who averages more. Um, they're both guns. I wouldn't be surprised if both are on the edges of the top six forwards. Uh, they're both coming in um, at value as well. They're very similarly priced. Uh, if you if you are flipping a coin, honestly, I would just pick the one that you like watching uh, the most from a football standpoint. Well, everyone will pick Butters in. Well, there's one last player who we can throw him into the mix of players that, hey, might be forward or might be midfield in new colours at Port Adelaide, Jason Horn Francis. Uh, I've already seen a bit of the Sam Flanders-esque propaganda going out there from uh, Cal Toomey, I think, was tweeting about there. Open, a little bit of open training. You, you said, Louis, going out there, checking out the new scars on the knees, uh, playing a bit of midfield by the looks and looking real thick and strong to start this season. I know Holmesy has a big... Big take on uh, Horn Francis, which we were talking about pre-show, and I'm, I'm glad to throw this one to you, mate. Uh, classic option, Horn Francis at 553K. Yeah, so he uh, he's an actual, a really interesting player. So number one draft pick, um, could not have had anything more go wrong, really, at North Melbourne in his first season. Um, few injuries, the off-field drama was well-documented. So coming in priced at 62, now these guys are completely different players, I get it, but this is that kind of second-year breakout potential um, that makes it a little bit easier for us. So because of last year, he's got that forward status, meaning that the bar is not as high for him to get to, um, to be closer to the top six. So if he's someone that you can see getting a bit of midfield time and pushing that 80, 85 mark, then he's definitely someone we can look at. Think of... um, now, you're going to love this, Dossie, but a Jaden Stevenson two years ago, not last year, but oh. two years ago when he was priced at 60 and he ended up going 80, I think it was 83, he was that perfect player in our forward lines that presented enough value to get close enough to the top six. So, JHF is 28 times the player that uh, Jaden Stevenson is. So, if he's someone that's fit and firing and he's he's got a, a good role in that Port Adelaide midfield, um, you'd be stupid not to have a look. I'm not saying he's a lock by any means, but he's definitely someone that we should have a look at in the preseason and see how he's tracking because, like I said, the bar's not as high and, and we know he's got all the talent in the world. Stato, your thoughts on that one, mate? Bit of a JHF. Yeah, it's just the price point that that's the issue. Um, that's the reality. But, look, he could be anything. Um, High-quality player and we know he's going to be fantastic. Um, I, we haven't heard too much... On pre-season, Louis might know a, a little bit more. But, look, second year, true breakout. Uh, certainly, this is the type of player that's got the potential to do that. Yeah, I just don't get the impression that Port are going to rush this guy. So, okay. I don't think he's going to be someone who goes straight into the midfield and plays massive minutes. I think he'll be split um, between that. What the percentages will be, I'm not sure, but... Um, Port have made a large investment in this guy. Uh, he's had off-season surgery, which wouldn't have been ideal for them, uh, albeit probably not an injury that we have to worry about too much. But I think with the investment Port's made with him, he's a big part of their future. I don't think they'll be um, they'll be uh, 
sort of tearing down his body too quickly uh, this season. I will say uh, just the the tweet I mentioned is Cal Toomey said, um, obviously over in sunny Adelaide at the moment, Gunport recruit Jason Horn Francis has returned to full training this week and been involved in match play after his surgery on both legs in October. The 19-year-old looking dynamic and strong, going to be an exciting midfield mix with Jason Horn Francis, Rosie Butters, Wines. And then he chucked in a few photos as well, saying he was laying some big tackles and sporting some scars. I don't know if you guys saw the scar photography, though. Yeah, Jeez, I did um, see that. Some yeah, hectic. Impressive scars on the, on the back of the legs there. So, um, yeah, an interesting pick. I don't think, yeah, is, is, is that awkward price just a watch list for us? Um, that was the last of the major listener requests. Well, there was a popular segment last week, though, that will rush through some players. It is Lux or Sucks. Lux or sucks, we got five players. Nowhere near as many as last week. Starting off with Cam Rayner, Louie. Is this a pick that is going to win you the Lux or does he just suck? No, sucks. Well, what's he priced at out of interest? Do you have that on your DOS? I can get that for you, mate, but um, maybe just talk me through it's a bit too of too high first. It's too high. Look, you, you, he came in under price last year when people were keen. He didn't deliver on that. 570K? Um, yep. So, Look, he's another, what, 200K above what he was last year. They've got another midfielder yeah, in Dunkley running through there. It's just, just not enough opportunity for him. That's the thing. He needed mid-time. If he was going to break out, Dunkley couldn't come there, right? Um, Tanner Brune. Landing at a new location at the Cats. Holmesy, likes or sucks? Yeah, no, that's a sucks, Dossie. Uh, we know that Geelong uh, like to switch things up, play players in different positions, players in and out of the best 22. I don't think you have a consistent role for him to, to push the numbers that we need him to. Probably wins the Falcons BNF, I reckon. Josh Rochelle, Adelaide Crow, chance of a little sneaky bit more midfield time in year two, potentially. Stato showed some glimpses, 461K. Although it's harsh, uh, Lux or Sucks? Sucks. Sorry. He's going to be high, high in quality he's player. Done. He's, he's going to be <laughs> fantastic in Keeper League, but no. He sucks. To be clear, the sucks is just for classic picking them, not that they are a sucky player. They're obviously great players. Correct. Oh, well, Decent players anyway. Uh, ben Hobbs, Essendon, is there room for him to have that magical second-year breakout, Louis? Lux or Sucks? Sucks. Uh, they've got a lot of midfield depth there, and I just didn't see anything in his first year to suggest that he's going to have that massive jump up to be that second-year breakout, which we'd need him to be. Yeah, you'd, you'd see more opportunity from that from a guy like Horn Francis, similar price, 541K is Ben Hobbs, so it's pretty awkward. Um, although he does have a huge fantasy pedigree as a junior and showed some pretty big signs last year. Another Essendon player in the mix for our listeners they want to know about, Archie Perkins. I think I saw, was it Cam from the draft? Somebody posted it out there about Archie Perkins. 527K, though, in your classic format. Likes or sucks, Holmesy? Uh, sucks just for the same reason that Louis said. Um, a lot of midfielders, I can't see him going in there enough to really have the consistent role to push those numbers that we need him to. All right. that That's all we had. I want to throw in one more. Harry Himmelberg, Lux 
or sucks? Sucks. Tato. Sucks. Too much question marks about role? Yeah, it's one big watch for the preseason and what his role is because, yeah, potentially he's Lux, potentially he sucks. So I think he's True. probably somewhere in between and I'll just pass on picking him in that headache. Yep. We've somehow managed, lads, to pump out 55 minutes on wow. the forwards. I, th- I think that's everyone deserves a medal for that one. That's pretty big effort. Um, out of interest, though, like, Holmesy, for you, say, has it been a bit of a, a bit of a headache or is it like – because for me, it was one of the easier lines just that we've got those big dogs, yeah. pretty obvious picks. But, I mean, so- sounds like there's a few more options than I thought listening to this show, to be honest, that we're actually keen on. Uh, to be honest, Dost, the, the major headache for me has been how many of these guys that we start. So they've all well, – from all that we've gone through, a lot of them have upside – um, a lot of them seem like they're slam dunk picks, so it's how many of these guys that you start in the structure. That's been more of a headache than who to actually start. Yeah. All right, and just a reminder before we wrap up, everyone, get your Listener League entries in. Head to Apple, get your girlfriend's phone, mum's phone, whoever's got an Apple, enter those reviews, leave your rating, and you choose which coach you want to represent and give us your reason why. Give us why we should be drafting you, which we'll be doing at the end of February. Uh, we're going to pick five players each, have a 20-man draft, go head-to-head and you'll be representing us. We'll have some sort of prize for the overall um, winner in that league of the the coach, that uh, the host that gets the most there. Uh, also, of course, sign up to keep a league. If you use the code PODPOD on checkout, you get 20% off. Guys, who are we going to touch on next week? Let's give it to Stato. Are we going to talk midfielders, mate? What do you reckon? Or are we going to go the rucks? I think we go midfielders. Let's do the worst. Let's have a fast. All right. Midfielders it is. We'll see you next week.